Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Our challenge of the year is officially here. Now, if you've been with us for a while, you know that every November we do a mobility type of challenge. And this one is going to be like no one we've ever had before. This is called Mobility Foundations. And I am taking you through all the noise on social media of what type of mobility is best, what you need for your body. Don't do this, do this. And I'm going to get you back into what is actually needed. We're going to go through all forms of mobility going from past to active, eccentric, and loaded mobility. So you understand how to progressively advance your mobility based on your body's needs and how to effectively and efficiently do that for each important joint within the body. So we are hitting on our upper back, our rib cage, our our shoulders, our shoulder blades, our hips, our ankles, and our feet. These are the areas that really need to open up in our mobility in order to relieve pressure off our low back our neck, our upper traps, our knees. If we want all these other areas of our body to feel better, we have to get back to this foundational mobility, understand what's needed in our body and be able to properly progress so that we have long term results. So this is it. And if you get in this week, not only are you getting the early bird discount, which ends Friday. However, We are giving a special discount only for our podcast listeners because we appreciate you being here so much. And if you use code OPTIMAL, you get an additional discount on top of the early bird discount. So use code OPTIMAL at checkout to get the discount on this Mobility Foundations course. Now, of course, I've always had mobility programs out, but again, this is going to be like nothing else that I've had out here. And it's only going to take you three to eight minutes a day. And not only that, but I'm going to be showing up with you every Sunday in order to talk through what exactly this particular week of mobility meant. When is it best in the body? Who is it for? When should you use it? Why is it important? And be able to answer your own personal questions. Whatever pops up along the way, I want to really be here to support you. And I want this to feel like a community moving and motivated to actually do our daily mobility together. I want to make this as attainable as possible. So this is the time in November where we're starting to think about what we're grateful for, especially in the States. It's when we have Thanksgiving and really give back to our body, nourish our body, especially as we step into a really stressful season of life. So please come join us in the Mobility Foundations course. I'm so excited about this one. And this is the lowest the price is ever going to be. So I hope you get it now. We're going to have it linked up below, but it's gen.health backslash foundations, gen.health slash foundations to get in today. I am so excited to welcome back my good friend, Julia Glanz onto the podcast. Now we interviewed her way back episode 29 that you can actually go listen to if you want. That's a little bit more on her personal journey with her own hormones. But this one is going to dive into what is really attainable and sustainable for you in terms of what hormone health actually means, what it feels like within the body. Now, Julia is a registered dietitian with a master's degree in nutritional science, a certified strength and conditioning specialist, and a former D1 athlete in soccer. 
She really helps to teach women her proven blueprint of nutrition and lifestyle strategies that has helped already change the lives of thousands of others to have more energy, get rid of the bloat, excess belly fat, improve muscle composition, and really do it all while eating in a way that feels nourishing, supportive, and sustainable. Her mission is to help you uncover any underlying issues that might be sabotaging your health goals and teach you to work with your unique female hormones so that you can look and feel your best from the inside out. And when you understand the key hormones affecting your energy, body composition, metabolism, menstrual cycle, and mood, you can become the CEO of your body and live the life to your fullest without the stress and overwhelm of constantly questioning what to eat for your body. This is such a great conversation, so get your pen and paper ready. Pass this episode along to other women that you know can be so supportive no matter what stage of life you're in. So excited for this episode. Julia, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. It was Mm -hmm. so long ago. I believe it was like episode 29 or something. Which was back in like 2020, which it's just crazy to think we've even been doing it this long, but... I know. So crazy. But thank you for being here. (laughs) Wow. Of course. I'm so happy to be on. And you know, I love, love, love talking all things hormone health. So (laughs) I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's where we want to start in general, just because, I mean, you know how the social media and online space is and everyone talks about hormone health and hormone dysregulation. And I just don't even know if the average person out there grasps, like, what does hormone health mean? Like, when we talk hormone health, how would you explain that to somebody? Great question. And I think when it comes to hormone health, first of all, there are about 50 hormones in our body, right? So for starters, it's like, okay, well, what hormone are you talking about, right? And so hormone health can mean a lot. Hormone balance can mean a lot. Hormone imbalances can all mean different things, right? So put simply, when it comes to hormone health or hormone balance, the Goldilocks principle applies, right? You don't want too much. You don't want too little. You want just the right amount at the right times of day and the right times of the month. So. I'll break it down a little bit more. So I help women who are experiencing hormone imbalances that are affecting their energy, their weight, their mood, their metabolism, and menstrual cycle. There are seven key hormones that greatly influence these things. So it's cortisol, your stress hormone, thyroid hormone, specifically free T3, which runs our metabolism and many other processes, but Also, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are sex hormones, which not only affect our menstrual cycle, fertility, but also our mood, our muscle, our bone health, our heart health. Mm. And then insulin, our storage hormone, which gets a bad rap, but also is necessary. Mm. And leptin as well, our satiety hormone. Mm. So when it comes to hormone balances, we want, and hormone health, I should say, we want all of these hormones to work in in harmony because when one gets out of balance or too much or too little, it greatly affects the others as well. And I can dive into a few examples of that if you want, but hormone health and hormone balance pretty much comes down to 
having the right amount of hormones at the right time. <laughs> Which seems really daunting to feel like, okay, I'm going to find a perfect balance between all of these seven key important hormones. And you just listed seven, but yeah. you said there's like 50 and, I, and I'm sure there's more out there. And like you said, they all interact differently and they all have like <laughs> dozens of different actions and purposes in the body. Quick pause from the episode to talk about one of our sponsors, and that is Element, our favorite electrolyte drink. Julie has mentioned a couple times in this episode, adding electrolytes into your water. And that is why we use every single day Element, that's L-M-N-T, to add to our water. It is the most delicious way to make sure you are hydrating your body on a cellular level, getting all those electrolytes back in that we lose naturally throughout the day when we go to the bathroom or when we sweat or different ways that our body loses the magnesium, sodium, and potassium that Element helps get back into our body. It can help with so many cellular processes that help reduce our brain fog, help us be more regular in the bathroom, help with our sleep, muscle cramps, so much more. So if you want to try out Element, go check out the link in the show notes. It's just drinkelement.com backslash optimal. That's Element spelled L-M-N-T, drinkelement.com backslash optimal with every purchase you will get their sample pack that gives you all the different flavors so you can try them out and also element now has a grapefruit as a flavor for forever it has always just been a seasonal flavor that people just absolutely love grapefruit is one of my favorites personally so if you want to try that out check out that link in the show notes get yourself that free sample pack today and start adding electrolytes in to make sure you stay hydrated okay let's get back to the interview I think the thing that bothers me is when you see someone online saying like, oh, this is happening because your progesterone's low. And it's like, well, what does that mean? Because there are times that it should be low. There are times that it should be higher. There are times that it's meant to do different things. So even in your explanation right there, I feel like that just like broadened the scope of what I view hormone health as, uh, as somebody who's in the health space. <laughs> and I think that's an important like, thing to understand, especially when we're scrolling through social media and we see these key things that kind of pop out or people who have the one solution for the one <laughs> hormone to focus on, where it's so specific to our own body. And is there like, is the goal to be able to find this ideal place where we feel all of this in balance like does that look a certain way does that feel a certain way like what is the ideal goal because we're also going to change especially as women as we go through life whether we have babies or going in menopause like so much is changing as we age it is i think one of the biggest you know things that are that's so overwhelming for so yeah. many women. And like you just said, Dom, and like, oh, well, now I have like even more questions or like now I'm, you know, have changed my perspective on what that term means. And I think I just want every single person to know our body has a beautifully innate ability to rebalance, stay in balance and have optimal hormone health innately. So... I think just releasing the need to strive for perfect hormones is one of the best things you could do, honestly, because <laughs> it will relieve the stress and we can go down a stress rabbit hole in cortisol. But anyway, I think 
For example, having, you know, what is hormone? What can hormone imbalance feel like? Mm -hmm. And there are a bunch of symptoms or presentations that your body, you know, will present with that are all overlapping with different hormones. But I think it's important for, you know, women to know, men too, is when you feel off and not accepting the way you feel as normal just because it's been that way forever. And so, for example, some of the symptoms of hormone imbalance can be low energy all of the time, no matter how many hours of sleep you get, brain fog, increased levels of anxiety or depressive-like symptoms, stubborn weight gain around the belly, constant bloating, constant cravings for sugar and salty foods, hair loss, you know, on your head or even outer third of the eyebrows, mm. acne, hair growth on the face, low libido, obviously menstrual cycle issues, whether it's, you know, PMS, irregular or missing periods, extremely heavy or painful periods, and then hot flashes, night sweats, mood swing, swings, insomnia, right? Those are all symptoms of hormone or could be symptoms of hormone imbalance. That being said, maybe somebody does have hormone imbalance or maybe they're just spreading themselves too thin, mm. not getting quality sleep, mm -hmm. not eating enough during the day or not drinking enough water. And that's why they feel anxious, tired, and constantly have cravings, right? Mm. Yeah. Their hormones could be perfectly fine. So I think discovering what it is for you in terms of what makes you feel the best. Like, Jen, what makes you feel your best? Dom, what makes you feel your best? And getting, peeling back those layers and discovering that, whether it's the types of foods you eat, you know, the people you surround yourself with, the, you know, emotional toll that you're taking on with doing all the things, supporting everyone else, not taking care of yourself, ignoring sleep hygiene, not drinking water, skipping meals, trying all the bad diets and biohacks, you know, and trying them all at once because you think more is better. <laughs> so it's really just simplifying the foundational pieces of our health that make you as an individual feel your best. And that makes it so much less stressful. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring that up because I know, I mean, I know you see private clients most of which, correct me if I'm wrong, you do actual testing with, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. But in, in, in like some of the group programs or challenges that you've done, are, are there people that you don't necessarily do testing with? And you laid out a lot of options right there on like, how do I start doing this exploration process, maybe without going and doing formal testing to find some of those things that help me feel like my best? Like, I always joke around and like there, there are all these different biohacking things, whether it's a, an aura ring or things that can basically tell you why you feel like shit. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> if I feel like shit, I'm lucky to have done a lot of my own self-exploration to be like, oh, well, I slept like crap. I ate a, a ton of food right before I went to bed. That probably wasn't mm -hmm. the greatest food to support my sleep. I was on my phone in bed until midnight. Like I, I know some of these things that I probably could could have done a little better, but is there a certain process when you might be working less directly with someone, haven't done testing on how to guide them through a few suggestions on here are some simple things you can start to do to explore what might just naturally help you feel your best, help take advantage of that innate 
body mechanism that is going to rebalance and stabilize you. Yeah. And I feel like you just threw me a lob exactly for my course. And I don't even think you know what my course is. So that was amazing. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, No, because that's exactly it. People always want to figure out what is wrong with me? What hormone is imbalanced? I know something's off, but hormone testing can be expensive. First of all, you know, if you're doing the comprehensive hormone testing and not getting it covered by insurance and all of that, and you also need to pay for a provider to interpret those results for you. Right. And this is what I teach in my course is like, there's foundational principles that you can do without testing that will likely improve your symptoms of constant cravings, feeling tired all the time, not sleeping well, um, not eating enough for your body, making sure you're eating, you know, at the right times to support your sleep, to support your energies, to support your workouts, to support, um, I said, sleep quality, um, mental clarity, all of those things. And once you understand those foundational principles that are essentially free, (laughs) um, you'll learn how much better you feel pretty quick. And then, of course, there's people who do have imbalanced hormones. Obviously, these are the people that I am working with. Um, So we test, we assess, okay, what hormone is it? And then from there, that just gives us a little bit of insight to then peel back the layers even more of what caused that hormone imbalance. And what causes the hormone imbalances are usually very specific nutrition and lifestyle factors. Mm -hmm. So like you said, I think everyone should keep a journal for a little bit. What foods they eat, how does that make them feel? Energized, bloated, fatigued, they need to take a nap, they have cravings. How much water are they drinking? What does it feel like when you drink a little bit more? You know, not overdoing it, but just maybe a little bit more. Or adding electrolytes to your water. And here I am like spitting out all of these things that can feel overwhelming, but I guess I'm just trying to say, how can you take inventory of what you're currently doing, how it's making you feel, and just ultimately like check in with your body? Because I swear when you do this, you'll be able to uncover those missing links of what make you feel great and what make you feel like shit. For mm-hmm. a lack of better words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the challenging but very empowering things about that is that it takes time, you know, and it's like sometimes people think like, okay, I just want to like change one thing and, and start to feel better. But the process of taking a journal to maybe even identify one or two of those things that you want to start changing and then implement a change and then take a couple of weeks of seeing how that impacts how you feel like it can be a multiple months process by the time you find or hone in on like the two or three things that you feel like, oh, once I changed those, I noticed all these positive you know, differences happening in my body and my energy. And so I think challenging because everyone wants that quick fix, but empowering because once you start to feel the change and say like, hey, I did that. I get to take ownership over the way I'm feeling. <laughs> like, that can be so empowering for people. It is so empowering. Yes. And it reminds me kind of like where I'm at as well in my (laughs) current journey of postpartum, where I know (laughs) sleep is something that is just broken up. Like even if I 
fall asleep a little bit. I get up so that I can pump before I officially go to sleep. And then I, by the time I clean everything, it's just later. And then sometimes he wakes up early and I feed him and then I go back to sleep again. So I just don't have good quality sleep like you mentioned. And that's something that as much as I can control, I'm choosing to you know, pump one last time or stay up a little later or do what I need to, to for me mentally to feel like I'm supporting my child right now. So I know I'm not getting the best quality sleep. So it's like, where in those other areas can I make sure that I'm supporting my body as best? And I went through this scenario in my head yesterday, even where I'm like, (laughs) I'm so tired, but I know if I miss my movement and my workout, I'm going to feel even worse. (laughs) And it's like, it's hard sometimes to go into that. Like, I know I'm, I'm tired and I don't want to work out, but if I skip my workout, I'm going to feel even worse the next day. And like, you know, kind of identifying those things, like you said, and starting to learn what makes you feel better in the long term, not just in the short term. And I think that's like so huge. And sometimes where it gets tricky online, especially when people are saying all these different diet options that are going to make you feel better. Like, can you speak a little bit into some of those fad things like intermittent fasting is a huge one and how that probably impacts our hormones as women and what we need to be focusing on with that. Um, And then maybe we can get into some of the other ones, but I think that's like a huge one. Yeah. And that is one of the ones that I've changed my mind on the Mm. most. Um, Because I think for me personally, as someone who was a high level athlete, I always wanted to do everything. If one thing was good, I wanted to do more of it, you know? Oh, this hit workout's great. Let me just do it every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, fasting's great. Let me just do it a little bit longer and do it every day in combination with my hit workouts. Um, And I think this is where a lot of women specifically, because it influences them more just because we have, again, an innate ability to reproduce whether you want to or not. And our body is protective of that because that's ultimately our biology. And so when we incorporate these fad diets, intermittent fasting, maybe it's low carb, maybe it's keto, like these can all be stressors on our body. Um, And if we are also experiencing a time of life where we have external stressors or emotional or our job stressful, or maybe we're in a place where we're not getting enough sleep or, you know, whatever it is, adding on an additional stressor of fasting at that time is probably not appropriate. And I think a lot of women who I see specifically will come to me in that exact spot. Like they're fasting 16 hours, they're doing their HIIT workout first thing in the morning because that's the only time they can get in their workout. They are restricting carbohydrates because they thought that will help them lose fat. They are also, you know, whether it's running a business, whether it's working, you know, long hours or having a stressful job. And then they're wondering, okay, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing all the right things, but I still feel like crap. I have no energy. I have insomnia. I can't sleep, like racing heart rate, higher anxiety. And I'm just keep gaining weight no matter what the heck I do, whether I increase exercise or cut my calories more. And this is like 
re-listen to that and press repeat. And that's what I hear every single day from my clients who come to me initially. And it's like, okay, cool. Let's, you know, let's start thinking about how can I nourish my body instead Mm -hmm. of constantly deplete it with all of these things? What can I do to pour back into myself? Can I say no more? Can I delegate certain tasks? Can I support my body, even though I can't get enough sleep right now because I have a baby? And can I, you know, move my body in a way that feels good and energizing instead of depleting? Can I eat enough to make me feel energized and not constantly depleted? And again, like you said, just having this like, you know, list in your head where you check the boxes of, am I doing the foundational things I know will make me feel nourished, supported, loved, safe in my body and in my environment? And can I do that daily? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, okay, you know, I don't have the energy to work out right now. I really don't want to. Let me just like go on a walk outside for five minutes and see how I feel after that. You're going to feel amazing. I'll just tell you that right now. So just like (laughs) try it, even like a lift. Let me just do like my one main exercise that will support my muscle. And like, I'll see how I feel after that. Um, And I think just uh, reducing that barrier um, and that friction of just like doing the thing can be so helpful. Mm -hmm. Have your water bottle in front of you all of the time, you know, Mm -hmm. prep your meals, even if it's not all of them have, you know, (laughs) lunch is a big problem for like, or a big challenge, I should say, for a lot of my clients. And I like, how can you reduce the friction, you know, reduce the barrier between you and just eating lunch consistently? Because when you skip meals, your blood sugar is imbalanced, you're not going to have enough energy, you're going to have cravings later, right? So it's like, how can we set up your day to have consistent meals at consistent mealtimes? And it's like, okay, well, if you have to have like, an adult charcuterie board you have your you know your deli meats or maybe your cheese your pre-chopped like veggies beautiful protein fat fiber check and maybe you have like some leftover i don't know whether it's whatever carbohydrate you want with that leftover potatoes or maybe it's rice or crackers whatever it is like it doesn't have to be perfect whether it's your workout whether it's your nutrition um or a perfect meal i should say or whether it's like the day-to-day healthy habits Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be perfect i think that's so important to continue to hear (laughs) of you know it's not it doesn't always have to look a certain way every single time and jen and i like people see me cooking and stuff often and they think like oh we're doing that for every meal like it's become i wouldn't say fairly rare but that i like spend a long time cooking for one meal it's like i prep most of our lunches and dinners most weeks (laughs) we have stuff that we just take out of the fridge reheat and there's our meal in five or ten Mm -hmm. minutes so i think that's a great point and something that when we don't have it prepped or if i don't do my work and and prep the veggies and a carb for the side and some protein like then we're struggling to get good lunches and dinners in so marry someone that's gonna help prepare all of that for you <laughs> essentially <laughs> that's, that's the point here um, that's no. the common theme i'm seeing <laughs> but are there kind of guides that you can provide in terms of 
you know, how, because there's a lot of how much of things that you should be getting going around, I think. And especially the big one that I'm hearing lately is protein and how important Mm -hmm. that is. And so how do we know how much protein we're supposed to be getting and how do we start to quantify that by like either looking at it or what I'm intaking that I know that I'm kind of getting enough protein? Because I remember you did a post where you were like, well, let's look at, you know, if you're having eggs in the morning, if you're just having two eggs, that's only six grams a piece, which is only 12 grams of protein. And I was like, oh no, Dom, I'm not getting enough protein. <laughs> so now Jen eats a chicken breast, a steak, three eggs, and, no. No, <laughs> and a protein it, shake every morning. Just put it in perspective. So if you can like kind of give examples of like what that looks like for people and what's most important to focus on, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. And the easiest, like, this is one of the easiest calculations you can do. I am not good at math. Never have been. But you take your ideal body weight, you eat that much protein, or you take that, that's like the higher end. You take your ideal body weight, you multiply that by 0.7. That's your range of protein. Get somewhere near there every day and break that up between three or four meals, right? And then if you're like, okay, that's still too much math, look at your palm size. The amount of um, protein, whether it's tempeh, fish, steak, chicken breast, if it's about the size of one palm and thickness of your palm, about one, one and a half palm sizes, aim for that every meal. And that's just a simple thing that you can do to support your muscle, to support your digestive enzymes because we need amino acids to make enzymes you can support your energy levels having stable energy stable blood sugar support your immune system so protein is so important um and you also don't need to like stress over about hitting this one specific number every day like again our body your body's got you covered but you also make you want to make sure you're eating enough so aim for that range don't stress out if it's a little bit over or a little bit under, just like aim for, you know, that 0.7 to one gram per ideal body weight in pounds. And that's a good place to start. And again, I think if you are open to it, if you like the idea of learning what that looks like on a plate, measure it out, use a scale for a week, right? Measure out what five to seven ounces of protein looks like, or even like four to seven, four to six, whatever it is. Measure out a a breast of chicken and see what that looks like. What does four ounces look like on a plate? What does seven ounces look like on a plate? When you do that for a week with like the variety, maybe like five to 10 max protein sources, that's even probably more than you're actually eating. But If you do that for a week, you'll really start to be able to just eyeball like, oh, yeah, this is about 30 grams. Cool. Um, And that will set you up for success forever. Yeah. Just by doing that for one week, just to learn. It's not about, oh, I'm eating too much. I have to like restrict my calories and track them meticulously. No, it's about learning and how to nourish your body and what that looks like on a plate. We have to eat. We're eating every day. We're eating three to four times a day. Like learn what that looks like on a plate so you can then identify 
oh yeah, I had about this much of protein, carbs, veggies, fats on my plate. I was hungry two hours later. I needed more food. Oh, yeah. now I know what that looks like. So let me add a bit more protein. Let me add some more carbs, right? And I think just like having, enjoying that process because ultimately don't you want to feel good, right? And it's like, let's learn how we can do that for ourselves. And that's why, you know, getting coaching can be helpful if it feels overwhelming. Um, and if it doesn't feel overwhelming, just embracing the journey of staying curious on how you can best support your body. I think that's one of the like more beneficial practices that people could do that really doesn't cost anything extra other than that little bit of time that it might take to measure things out, write it down or track it in some sort of app. But like, honestly, probably something that I hate more than anything <laughs> is measuring out food. Even when I cook, mm -hmm. like I don't measure stuff. I throw it in the pan, you know, like I don't... It must be nice to be such a good cook, Dom. <laughs> it must be nice, but then I have my wife over here complaining that things don't ever taste the same, you know, in the same way. She was like, make that one thing that you made once. And I'll be like, I'll try, <laughs> you know, I'll see Me if... Me and Jen like what we like, okay? We I'll want see the if same I can... thing if we like it. <laughs> and then I make it and she's just like, this tastes different. This isn't the same. Um, but I remember back to those nutrition courses in undergrad and grad school where we had to do the the my plate tracking for you know two weeks and journal about it and journal about how we felt and journal about oh i was surprised that i was consuming this much or this much of certain micronutrients macronutrients like it helps helps you just to innately become more aware of wow i've been eating a lot more of this type of food i might not be getting enough of X or Y. I might not be getting enough protein. I might not be getting enough, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, whatever it is, like you start to become a little more aware of that. And I think that's super valuable. So we covered protein, obviously super important for many different things. I want to get your quick take on something that probably isn't super quick, but like the carbohydrate conversation. And even when we were talking about the diets earlier, like you mentioned intermittent fasting or low carb or keto, or it seems like so many of the fad diets are carb limited. And I know that many people in the nutrition space like to bastardize carbohydrates, even if it's coming from something like fruit. And again, I know there's always a conversation around that, but I just want to get your quick take on where carbohydrates fit in. <laughs> Carbs are amazing, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, uh, for me, for so long, I was like, oh, they're bad. Oh, fat's bad. And it's like, okay, fat's bad. Carbs are bad. Like, what's left to eat, you know? Yeah. And I yep. think just, I have so many clients that are come to me. Obviously, I do, like, a food recall um sheet before you even like meet so i can see let me assess your diet like what are the lowest hanging fruits no pun intended but like what can we address right, right away that will make you feel better i can't even tell you how many people are only eating veggies and like a piece of fruit as their carbohydrate source mm -hmm. like that is not enough especially if you're weight training and you're active mm -hmm. um is there a time to go low carb Absolutely. For a lot of people, yes. But if you are not feeling great and you've been doing low carb for years, add in more carbs. And this isn't like saying to add in a pizza and a pasta and 
all the bread and one meal, right? Can you have those things? 100% yes. But add in nature's carbs, your squash, your legumes, your potatoes, all potatoes, yams, sweet potatoes, white, whatever color. Um, Even if it's like bread, add in bread. There's nothing wrong with bread. Obviously, if you're gluten-free, go gluten-free bread, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And I think people just get so worked up of, this is going to contribute to weight gain. This is bad for me. And it's because of what social media portrays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think whenever you're taking in any type of content information from, you know, whether it's social media or just, I mean, that's wherever, whatever, Google searching, I think understanding the target audience for who you're taking information from is very important because that may not be you. Mm -hmm. And so starting there, and that was a tangent on your question about carbohydrates, but essentially for women, especially you're going to feel better eating carbs. Yeah. And again, carbs do not equal chips, cookies, pasta, bread, you know, etc. only. Carbs are your legumes, your starchy veggies, your again, your potatoes, your squash, right? Yeah. And if you stick to that, stick to those, you will feel so much better, not only because they will provide your body with the energy it needs, um, but also it's supportive for your gut, supportive for the nutrients, the micronutrients it has in them, which ultimately support your metabolism, actually. And they support your energy, right? And so, and of course, support your workouts as well. Yeah. And I think that's my take on carbs. How much you need depends on your activity level. But I think for starters, you can have a source of carbohydrate with every meal, period. Like you can, it's allowed. (laughs) So there's your permission, everybody. I think that's so important. And when I freed myself mentally from the restriction of what carbs are and what they do in the body and all this stuff, like it helped so much. And and I do think going through pregnancy and postpartum has really released me of how my body should look because of how amazing the body actually is and mm-hmm. what it can do. And there is um, someone who is also going through a postpartum journey. And I just love what she said, you know, how we're so much more interesting than the size of our body. And it's unfortunate Mm -hmm. that a lot of the language even around postpartum is like, oh, you don't even look like you had a baby or, oh, your belly's so small or like, it's all about how the size of what we look like rather than Mm -hmm. how are we doing mentally? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Like all the things that are a lot more important than (laughs) the size of you know, how you're supposed to look according to society or whatever that means. So 100%. such a, you know, so huge to shift the focus on how you're feeling versus how you look. And that's what and you that really is help. something I wish every woman, you know, would focus on. Yeah. Because ultimately, when you focus on how to nourish your body in a way that feels good, energy, mental clarity, libido, digestion, sleep, workouts. When you focus on that, it becomes so much more enjoyable to enjoy the food that you love while also enjoying the foods that make you feel amazing. And also you're 
body and like the size of it will follow. Um, when you focus on what makes you feel good, yeah, we can enjoy, you know, the more processed foods that ultimately don't support whether it's hormone health or whatever, but they still bring us joy. We can still enjoy the foods that we eat. And then that's also a part of embracing like all of the aspects that food has to offer and moving away from, can you have like aesthetic goals, body composition goals, hundred percent, right? But don't do it at the expense of your mental health, your energy, your libido, your anxiousness, your sleep. It's just not worth it. It's really, really not. So agreed. And on the note of like wanting to feel better, I think something that many women go through, you know, as the hormonal bumps and roller coaster as you're going through your cycle. And mm-hmm. is there a way to best support that? Like, I think a lot of what happened, especially last year, was like, this is how you have to work out based on where you are in your cycle. And is that super pertinent? Do we need to change how we're working out, how we're eating? Like, what is most important to focus on, would you say, as we move through our monthly cycle, if you're on it? Yes. If you are not eating at consistent mealtimes, if you're, you know, fasting extensively long term, if you're not prioritizing your sleep, other than, of course, if you have a baby and that's just not possible right now, (laughs) right? But if you're not doing those things, you're not drinking water, you're not strength training, you know, consistently, you're not going on walks, like moving throughout the body, throughout the body, throughout the day and your body, I guess. But if you're not doing the foundational things first, you don't need to worry about cycle syncing your exercise Mm. and Mm. nutrition, right? It's like that comes after you do the foundational pieces. Can they help? 1000% yes. But do the foundational pieces first and then add on the complexity. So when it comes to our menstrual cycle and just like a little brief two second and probably maybe 20 second overview of kind of what happens with the fluctuations. It's our period where our hormones are at its lowest point. If we are, you know, bleeding heavy and losing a lot of blood then and not fueling properly, that's going to trickle into the first half of the cycle when you're supposed to quote unquote, feel optimal, energized, like ready to do hard workouts. But if you're coming into that phase depleted already, you're probably not going to feel great. And then you're going to feel guilty because you're not doing the high intensity workouts, the heavy strength training that's recommended in the first half of your cycle. Right. And so honoring what your body needs is the most important. And so during the first half of the cycle, when estrogen rises, yeah, it can decrease your appetite because it, you know, increases um, serotonin as well, which is like a natural appetite suppressant. And it increases your muscle strength and function and recovery. And it also can improve your energy too. So that is a great time to push it in the workouts because you've got estrogen working for you Mm. now um moving into ovulation um on the note of ovulation if you're pushing it too hard in your workouts and you're not feeling appropriately um for those workouts that may be too much of a stressor on your body so then what happens ovulation gets pushed back 
and Mm -hmm. maybe your cycle becomes a little longer or irregular or you become like you're spotting in the middle of your cycle. Mm -hmm. So again, there are these, it's never a black and white answer, right? They're like, just live in the gray, (laughs) live in the gray area and live in what your body needs. Um, But then back to the cycle in the second half of your cycle, that's when you get the, if you ovulate, you get the peak in progesterone. And maybe that affects your energy. Maybe that affects like your um, exercise capacity. And maybe that, you know, affects your motivation to (laughs) exercise, whatever it is. I think modifying it based on what you feel regardless should be the way you train, period. Um, But using your hormones you know, to support and facilitate the strength, recovery, the function, et cetera, can be super helpful. Um, and it's it's periodization is what it is. You have these ebb and flows of like you push and you dial it back. You push and you dial it back, right? Um, just like in season and off season for sports, just like in season and off season for work related things. You push and you like dial it back. And that's the ebb and flow is where it's at. And um, when it comes to your workouts during your cycle, there are definitely certain times that you intuitively likely already know when you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mm-hmm. may not feel good when you're quote unquote supposed to if you're not fueling, you're not sleeping, and you're stressed. So then it's like, don't feel guilty if you know that's not the case. Just dial it back. And just what matters most is consistency. So show yeah. up you know, get your workout in and scale it to how you're feeling on that given day. I think that I love everything cycle-based that you just went through, but I think one of the most important things that you mentioned is you need to be doing the basics first. You know, you need to be Mm -hmm. moving your body in general before we start focusing on like, okay, I'm in this phase, so I'm going to be hitting it really hard. And then I'm going to have kind of my recovery weeks, you know, during more of the ovulation or post ovulation part of the cycle. Um, and, and I think this is where so many people get tripped up, you know, kind of when we were on the carb conversation, you know, there's all these debates online about whether like fruit is good or bad. And I'm like, I guarantee if everyone in the world started eating five servings of fruit a day, it would benefit (laughs) far more people than it became an issue for because of the fructose or sugar that is in the fruit, you know, like so many people just aren't, eating enough of these, you know, nutrient dense, micronutrient dense fruits and vegetables that it's just like, no, we shouldn't be demonizing sweet potatoes and fruit because so many people in general could afford to eat slightly more, you know, plant-based, earth-based foods like that. So I really appreciate that you said like, but before we start focusing on syncing our workouts with our cycle, we need to focus on getting regular movement in throughout the course of the month and then we can start to optimize based on you know what might best support or what workouts are best supported by where we're at in our cycle Mm -hmm. totally and i think following a program is always you know super beneficial especially for someone who isn't you know doesn't have the knowledge to program for themselves or whatever um and it's how like focusing on Building strength, right, is so important, especially for women as we age. That is huge. So if we can put our priority and focus on that, that is where it's at. And then it's like, 
if talk about going back to the checklist, like you use, you know, your workouts are something that you can also relate back to how you're feeling. When you do these types of workouts every day, let's say like you're used to doing HIT every day. HIT is not bad, but it's not meant to be a sole source of exercise for most people. All people, I should say. But <laughs> so is like, for example, if you train really hard consistently, how's your digestion? Are you constantly bloated? Are you constantly feeling inflamed? Are you having trouble sleeping? Um, do you constantly have cravings? Like, what would it look like if you scale that back, just focus on building strength and maybe low intensity cardio, like zone two, um, walking, et cetera? And a lot of people feel so much better doing that mm -hmm. and moving away from the consistent high intensity. You can still have like hit strength training, right? That's still like, you can absolutely do that. But maybe like, push the weight up and take a little bit longer breaks in between. Mm. Um, so you can still exercise at a high intensity, but not make it a high intensity interval training. Yeah. If that makes sense. So yeah. like your heart rate can go up and come back down and recover. But I think a lot of people think it's only a good workout. And I was this way too, like for so many years. It's only a good workout if you feel absolutely exhausted and depleted after. Right. And re in reality, like, especially as, you know, we get older, it's not going to work anymore. Yeah. It's going to, you know, increase your stress hormone, increase your cravings, increase your hunger, decrease your sleep quality, increase your bloating. Like when you don't train appropriately um, with the right dose, frequency, duration, recovery, etc. And when you're not fueled appropriately. I think that's so huge to continue to remember. And you mentioned it as we age. So as we're going into perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, um, what becomes the, the two key things in terms of for workouts and for fuel? Like what, what is the most important thing that we can focus on? Because I know so many women complain of, the stubborn belly fat that just won't mm -hmm. go away. But then also I know I'm supposed to move, but it only feels good to do like yoga because my joints hurt or something's mm -hmm. going on, right? So what what is most important to help support our body in that stage? So let's talk about postmenopause and then I'll kind of like reverse back um, to perimenopause. But postmenopause, estrogen declines. Estrogen helps, like I mentioned earlier, our muscle strength, function, recovery, appetite, fat distribution, etc. So when we do in bone health, and I think I said muscle, um, when we lose our estrogen, we need external factors to elicit the stimulus that estrogen supports our body with. For example, let's talk about bone and muscle health, right? As we age, that can naturally decline. It doesn't have to, but it can if we don't do anything. Um, so prioritizing heavy weights, and heavy is relative to you, prioritizing power training, um, mm. and prioritizing, obviously, cardiovascular conditioning as well. Um, can you do HIIT? Of course. But again, sprinkle that in and prioritize building strength because that is ultimately what's most important for us long-term, especially as we reduce, um, as our estrogen declines. 
um, and our testosterone declines as well. And so another important factor on that and kind of ties into belly fat is our adrenal glands where we produce our stress hormone cortisol is the same gland that also makes our sex hormones post-menopause. So if we are in a state of high stress, we're under eating, we're overdoing the hit, and we're just doing all these like quote unquote biohacks all together that are actually just depleting us, um, we're going to increase our stress hormone, which ultimately will redistribute any fat that we do have around our belly. And that's kind of what happens mm. when you're stressed, whether whatever age you're at. Um, it might have an acute response of you losing weight, but it will also you know, break down your muscle and redistribute your fat around your belly. And so that's something important to consider because your workout should also fluctuate with other life things that are going on. You know, um, you'll go through phases where you're like, I'm, I'm ready to push. And you go through phases where it's like, you know what, yoga, like weight training without, you know, having that high neuro impact on it. like that like brain fatiguing type workouts were like, oh my gosh, that felt so hard. That takes a lot to recover from. And so when you do those workouts, honor that and like recover from them, but just know that they don't have to always be in your rotation of workouts mm. um, for certain phases of life. Mm -hmm. And so that was menopause. Perimenopause is tricky because like, we don't know what's happening. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have yeah. high estrogen, sometimes we have low estrogen. Um, and ultimately, it's kind of like this, you know, up and down type of hormonal response. But what you can really focus on, again, going back to the foundations is building strength. Don't worry about syncing it with your cycle because your cycle is probably going to become irregular. And just focus on smart programming, progressive overload, adequate recovery, and fueling appropriately for your workouts. Prioritize strength training three times per week, whether it's two or four, whatever it is for you on that given week. And then making sure, again, that protein intake remains high because that will support your muscle um, that you break down during your workouts and will also preserve your muscle that you have already. And then not neglecting the carbohydrates on your higher intensity workouts. Mm. Because again, when we do high intensity workouts without the fuel, required for those high intensity workouts, i.e. carbohydrates, we increase our stress response, we increase our cortisol, and that actually in turn will break down our muscle and not facilitate the recovery needed to actually get stronger and to actually build muscle. Hmm. So hopefully that wasn't too confusing because I feel like that was a lot. <laughs> well, I feel like the way that you packaged it <laughs> in a concise amount of time made it made it fairly accessible to the average person and Julie, there's so many things that still I would love to ask, but we don't like to have these podcasts run too long for people who are just <laughs> listening in a car car ride. But at the end there, you were just touching on the beginnings of the adrenal fatigue conversation. And, you know, there's other questions that I feel like we left somewhat unanswered, but I think that means we will have to have you back for a third time at some point <laughs> in the future, just because... Yeah. You're a wealth of knowledge in everything from, you know, hormone health to how we eat and how we move impact hormone health throughout the lifespan. 
So thanks so much for coming on and sharing everything with everybody. Where can people learn more about you, work with you? You kind of mentioned a course. Um, is that course out? When, when can people expect to see, see this course? We can link the course in the show notes. Woo! The waitlist is open right now. Fantastic. Um, so you can get on the waitlist. And once enrollment opens, you will be notified as long as you're on the waitlist. Other than that, I'm hanging out on Instagram. Um, and I am always open to answer any other questions you all have. Um, I'm here to support as many women as possible. Just feel their best. That starts with supporting our hormones. But like I said a million times in this episode here, it also starts with the foundation. So if anyone has any questions, yeah. I'm here to support you however I can. And thank you so much for having me on. I love of you course. both. Thanks, Julie. Of love course. you. Of course. We love you. Another fantastic conversation with Julia. As always, she's just that wealth of knowledge that we love to have to talk about hormone health diet, nutrition, movement, all the good things. If you have any interest in checking out Julia or getting on the waitlist for her course, please check that out in the show notes below. And of course, we will see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast.